How many guys are digging the snow? All right, yeah, isn't that beautiful? It is absolutely beautiful. Unless you have to shovel it, then it's not so beautiful. But uh, um, thank you for braving it this morning and shoveling out your driveway to get here. Uh, it is uh, awesome. Um, you know, we've been kind of light all morning, and I didn't know if it was because of the snow or if it was because of last week. So I didn't, I didn't know. Uh, for those of you who are just here for the first time this morning, last week was a little bit of a different kind of service. Uh, we, we are in the middle of a worship series, and uh, we've been talking about what worship is, and then we've kind of narrowed it down to why we meet on Sunday mornings and why do we do what we do. And we talked about how when we praise God in song, there are different forms of praise according to the Hebrew language that in Scripture, when we read the word praise, we wouldn't even know what it stands for. So uh, in the English language, it's just translated praise, but in the Hebrew language, it's different. So we were breaking down some of the, the words of praise last week, and we talked about uh, yada, which yada is to raise your hands in praise. And so then we practiced it. We, you know, sang a song, and, you know, if you felt led to raise your hands, you did it. Uh, then we went into the uh, Shabbat, which to, to Shabbat means to shout in, in triumph, to shout in praise to God. And so then we had a song, and, and if you wanted to Shabbat in praise, you know you're welcome to do that. And so we had that. And then the third one was really out of the box. It was the, the Hebrew word halal. And halal means to be clamorously foolish you know, in praise. And uh, the story we talked about was when David, when David was, the Ark of the Covenant was coming into Jerusalem, it says that he danced before the Lord, you know, in just his ephod, which is basically holy underwear. He was dancing in holy underwear in, in his, in his uh, you know, this, just dance. And um, so then we practiced that. We didn't dance in our underwear, but we, we, <laughs> sang some songs, and if you felt like you wanted to dance before the Lord and, and to be like that, we are welcome to do that. Well, there were some people who were visiting, you know, last week, and that freaked them out. It freaked a lot of our just regular people, I mean, because it's just not the normal. But it was something that we practiced because it's, it's important that we understand what the, the Bible teaches us about praise. Let's just ask a few questions here. How many people were uncomfortable last week? We can be honest here. It's okay. Yep. Yeah, I, I was too. How many were really uncomfortable? Man, like, get me out of here. Anybody? Yeah, one person in the back there. They're not here. They're not, they're not here, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it was interesting for me. It was an interesting experience because uh, first service, uh, I was scared to death. I was like, oh, my word, I'm going to preach this sermon, but it's going to just fall on dead ears. This is going to be, you know, it's not going to go over that well. But, guys, I got to tell you, first service was off the charts, they were, they blew second and third out of the water, which first service is usually the ones that, you know, I crack a joke and they don't really laugh. They just laugh inside, hopefully. But they were, they just took it and they ran with it. And it was, it was pretty amazing. But for me, what I, I got to experience last week, which was interesting, is that I, I got to experience three services of it. Okay, so I had first service, I had second service, I had third service. By the time third service came around, I, because I'd practiced first and second service, I had gotten to the point where I just didn't care what people thought. I was just going to praise God, and I was going to just raise my hands and praise. I was going to shout and praise. I was going to, you know, not that I can dance, but I was going to move to the music a little bit and just praise God. And it was funny because the person that was next to me in third service was my son, and he's like, what are you doing, Dad? You know, it freaked him out, so it was kind of funny. But I didn't care, man. I was just like, dude, I'm praising God. I don't care what my son thinks. It was, it was awesome. But it took me three services to get there. So 
I, I understand that. A couple things about last week I want to address, uh, and then we're going to move into some postures of praise for this week. Uh, first thing I want to say is that what we did last week uh, obviously were different postures of praise. And as with any posture, that doesn't mean that this is going to be happening all the time every week. Okay? It's not like every week, you know, we should expect having a conga line, you know, during the service. Okay? It's not like every week we expect you to dance and shout in, in the aisles. Okay? Um, you know, last week my nephew told me, he says, you know, I've been to churches where it's like that all the time, every Sunday. As soon as the music starts, people are, oh, they're dancing and they're moving around, they're shouting, and that's just the way it is. And you know, um, while that might be fine in those churches, I don't necessarily think that's the healthiest way to come to God in praise. Because with all these postures, there's times and there's places for them. Praise isn't always about just jumping and dancing and shouting. King David didn't just rip his clothes off and dance all the time when music started playing. No, it was a specific moment. It was when the Ark of the Covenant came into Jerusalem. It was a time of incredible celebration, and he did it. And it made sense. So, no, there are appropriate times for these postures to be, you know, lived out in our midst. And we're going to see that there's other postures that are far more subdued and yet just as worshipful and just as precious to God. You know, like the Bible says, there's a time for laughter, there's a time for mourning. And there are also times and places for each of these postures to be played out. Um, here's the deal. There is a life and rhythm to praise. And we must learn to move with the Spirit of God in following that rhythm. Amen? And the, 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 the point is, is that we follow the Spirit. And we simply praise God and don't care what the person next to us thinks about us. Okay? Second thing regarding last week, I just want to say how proud I was as a pastor to sit back and watch you praise God. Um, yes, it had to have been out of your comfort zone. It was different, but you did it. And um, I, like I said, I didn't know how last week was going to go, honestly, um, but it was awesome. And what that tells me about you guys is that you love God so much, you are willing to step out of your comfort zone to show him how much it is that you do love him. And I just love that about you guys. Man, I, I tell you this all the time, you are some of the greatest people on this earth. And I, I love running after Jesus with you. And for me, it was a joy worshiping God together alongside of you last week. And I'm looking forward to it today and the weeks coming forward. And so this is awesome. Well, today we're going to be addressing some more postures of praise. And they're going to be kind of uh, different than last week. And, uh, but there are ways that we praise our king, and they are precious to him. And so let's dig in. And kind of like I did last week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a verse, we're going to talk about the word, and then we're going to practice that form of praise. Okay, so there's going to be a lot of up and down and up and down. The worship team's going to be getting up and down, and we're going to practice the form of praise or the posture of praise that we're reading. So Psalm 47 Verse 6 says, sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our king. Sing praises. Now, third service, according to this verse, what are we supposed to do? See, don't let anybody tell you you guys aren't brilliant. That, you guys are good. That was, that was good. Yeah, we're, we're to sing praises. But as we learned last week, just because we see the word praises, we don't really know what exactly is the form of praise. 
What, what does it look like? What's that form? Just because we see the word praise, we might not exactly know what that praise looks like. Well, the Hebrew word in this verse is zamar, okay? Now, to zamar means to touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument, to play upon it, to make music accompanied by the voice, hence to celebrate in song in music. Now, this is an interesting word for praise because there are groups of of believers, parts of the components of the Christianity around the world, who they believe that to worship God, you shouldn't use instruments. It needs to be all a cappella. Now, is that correct, guys? No. I mean, we see it right here in scriptures to use instruments. Zamar includes an instrument. Uh, there are other groups of Christianity that they think the only thing, only instrument that you should use is an organ. Okay? How many guys grew up in that? Yeah. I grew up in one where it was an organ and a piano. And boy, if you did anything else, that was like really stepping out of line. Especially an electric guitar. I mean, you just didn't do it in drums. I mean, you might as well go to hell for that. I mean, that's just, that was crazy. But that, that's what it, what it was like. But we can see here that in Scripture, instruments are clearly encouraged. And any instrument can be used to praise our God. Now, here at Whitestone... This, zamar, is our most common form of praise. Um, We do this all the time. We sing accompanied with instruments. So when you are coming on Sunday mornings, we will typically zamar. That's the form of worship we do. But zamar, and you know, we could have ignored this one, but there was a part of zamar that I wanted to cover this morning. Zamar is more than just singing along with instruments. What Zamar is, is to worship God in music, okay? In other words, the notes that the instruments are playing should be considered praise to God. Like in this verse here, it says, I will praise you with the what? Harp. See, this, the author's saying here, I'm going to praise you by playing the harp. And it says, I will sing praise to you with the lyre, O holy one of Israel. Lyre is a musical instrument. So do you see what's happening here? It's the author saying, I will zamar you with a harp and a lyre. The, the notes of the instrument are being offered up as praise to God. In other words, by playing these instruments, a person will be praising God, and he's not necessarily singing. That's what zamar involves. So musicians... When you get up here on the stage, you need to understand something, that as you play the instrument, each note of music that you play is to be considered praise to your king. So don't forget that. When you're up there on your guitar, your drums, or, you know, whatever, the harp, or I don't know what you do. Kirk has trombone and saxophone, all sorts of different instruments up here. But whenever you're playing any note, let it be a praise being offered up to God. You know, I'm going to take this moment right now. I know this makes them uncomfortable, but uh, if you're a musician or a singer here at Whitestone, could you just stand up right now? Can we give these dudes a big round of applause? Thank you. I, I personally believe we have some incredibly gifted musicians in our midst and singers in our midst. It is awesome, and it's, it's so fun to watch them get up here and just lead us in, in worship. God has given you an incredible gift, and, and I love seeing you use it here. 
But I want you guys to know that when you're up here and you're playing your instrument, you're not playing it for us. You're playing it for him. Now, we join you in singing, and that's awesome, but your music that you're playing is precious to God. Um, you know, I remember growing up, I, I, I kind of picture it to be a little bit like this for God, um, but growing up, I played the trombone and my brother played the trumpet, and uh, my mom loved it when we would play together. And so she'd be like, Lukey and Larry, would you guys please play your horns for me, please? I'm like, Mom, I don't want to play it. Says, no, forget them. I'm like, okay, and so, you know, I would, we'd get out our horns begrudgingly, and we'd, we'd play, and we'd harmonize together, and she'd sit on the couch, and she just loved Sometimes she'd play the piano, you know, with us, and we'd be playing along with her, and she just, she just loved that. Well, guys, I kind of picture that to be the same with God. I can picture when the team is up here playing music and there's times of just music being played, I can picture God just sit there and soaking up this music and knowing my children are playing this for me. And I think that's a beautiful picture. There are some times when Kirk and his team have interludes of music where we aren't singing. And for those of us who aren't musicians, we just kind of think that's like a break for us where we're like, okay, get my breath back, take a drink of water, and be like, hey, Tom, how you doing? You know, we're just waiting for the, the next time where we sing. But you know what, guys? Technically, it's not a break. It's definitely not a break in praise. It's, a, it's really, it's a time where musical notes are being offered up in praise to, to God where no voices are singing. And it's just as precious and beautiful to God. So musicians, don't miss this time. Soak up this time of praise to your king. And the rest of us, let's join them in this time. You know, as the music's playing, just quietly, just listen to the music. Picture, picture God just sitting there soaking it up, listening to it. And as little, you know, as words of praise come to your mind, as you think great big thoughts about God, just whisper them. You know, just simply speak them softly in, in, your, in your mind as the music is playing. Practice His presence. And, um, you know, it's funny, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but music is an incredible conduit of praise. And so as that music is playing, you know, you can just sense the presence of God and just worship Him doing that. You don't have to be singing to do that. Okay, worship team, I want you to come up here right now. And um, they're going to be leading us in Zamar. Um, now, there will be some time of singing along with the instruments, but there also is going to be some time, especially at the beginning, where it's just going to be instruments. And musicians, I want to encourage you guys to, in this time of just playing instruments, man, let it be offered up as praise to God. Just know that you're playing for your king right now. And the rest of us, during those times of music, let's just practice his presence. Let's just soak it up. And as words of thanks come to mind, just speak them. Just, just let it come forth from our heart. Can we do that? All right, guys, this is Zamar. It's not that out of our box, okay? We do this every Sunday. So let's stand up and let's Zamar our king. All right, we have another posture of praise that we need to get our heads around. And um, I'm going to say that I truly think this is a posture that is lost so often in our churches today, especially here in America. Um, we might love the raising of our hands. We love the shouting, um, dancing, maybe not so much. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we love the singing with instruments, but this one that we just don't often see um, or even experience ourselves here at Whitestone, and I think we're missing something very important. Um, and here it is. It's Psalm 34. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. 
His praise will be on my lips, and my soul will boast in the Lord. Now, very interesting, in these two verses are three forms of praise that we might miss if we don't pay attention. It's interesting. Three postures of praise are mentioned in these three verses. Let's look, let's look at it. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. And the Hebrew word there is, I will barak the Lord at all times. We're going to talk about that in a second. Then it says, his praise will always be on my lips. Now, his praise in the Hebrew, it says, his tehillah will always be on our lips. Now, tehillah, we're not going to have time to talk about it today. We might address it next week. I'm not sure. But tehillah is a very interesting form of praise. It is a spontaneous outburst of singing to the Lord. It's, you know when, when Scripture says, sing a new song unto the Lord? Now, Scripture means a new song. We often sing songs we've already sung before. I mean, that's just what we typically do. A tehillah is to sing a new song, a spontaneous song. It's like when you're, you're walking through the woods and you're overwhelmed with his presence and how awesome he is, and something in your soul begins to bubble out, and you just begin to sing and worship God. That is a tehillah. That is a, a form of worship. Okay? Then it goes on to say, my soul will boast in the Lord. Now that word boast in the Hebrew is halal. That is to be clamorously foolish, you know, for the Lord. That's that form of worship we talked about last week. So we have barak, we have tehillah, we have talal, all in a matter of two verses here. And we would easily miss that if we wouldn't dig in and look at that. Okay? So let's look at that word barak. What does that mean? To barak is to kneel. It's to bless God as an act of adoration, to express an attitude of love and submission and trust through the act of kneeling or bowing, okay? And as I said, this act of praise is often lost on churches today. Um, Kneeling in adoration to our God is kind of a rarity for us, especially here in America. It's just not part of our culture. To kneel is something we don't even think about in this American culture. Um, But it's funny, in other parts of the world, it's very common. For instance, when I was in in Africa um, many years ago, uh, we, we were down working with THM, the Timothy Harvest Ministries, the thing that everybody's been talking about. And uh, Harrison, who's the one who runs the ministry, and his brother Shadrach were there, and they said, hey, would you guys want to go meet our parents? And we said, sure, that'd be awesome. So Shadrach's wife, her, his, her name is Tawera, she came along with. So it was Harrison, Shadrach, and his wife, Tawera. We are going to go visit their parents. And their parents were in their high 90s or something like that. Very godly people. And so we went out there. We drove a long way to get into their house. And um, we were driving back into the African bush. And we pulled out of the, got out of the, the Jeep or the whatever we were in. And um, we were walking up to their house. And we kind of walked behind their house. And there were two old and, and frail people getting up to greet us. And we greeted them. And we had just a, a wonderful time of reunion. But what always stood out to me is that Tawera, who is the daughter-in-law, she got down on her knees before her mother-in-law to greet her. And she clasped her hands and she said, Mother-in-law, it's so good to see you. I bless you. It's, you know, it's my honor to be here. And she blessed her mother-in-law, which I thought was just a beautiful form of just, you know, in a sense, adoring her, her mother-in-law. Now, which of you daughter-in-laws would like to do that to your mother-in-law? It's not American sort of culture, is it? I mean, we'd rather just not even talk to them. But she did that as an act of, I, 
I revere your position. You are above me. And, and, you know, we just don't see that here. I think we just think too highly of ourselves in this nation, and the act of kneeling has just kind of gone by the wayside. And as Ameri- Americans, we just don't understand that kind of thinking. Now, there may be some of you who are sitting here today, and you're thinking to yourself, Luke, I grew up in a church where we kneeled all the time. And we even had benches to kneel on. And you know what? You're right. But that was for a different reason. The kneeling was for times of prayer, times of supplication to God. And in my opinion, there's a difference when kneeling before God, asking Him to work on your behalf, to kneeling while you praise Him. Okay? Let me explain. When we pray and we get down on our knees, which, by the way, I think is a great posture, which we don't do enough of that either. But when we pray and we get down on our knees... Um, it's to demonstrate a position of humility that when asking God for something, it doesn't appear that we're standing up, we're saying, hey, God, give me this. I demand this. No, we're kneeling before him and in humility saying, God, please grant this. We're just asking, we're petitioning you to do that. When someone kneels in an act of praise, it's a whole different thought process. It's a whole different attitude. When you kneel in praise, you are, in a sense, thinking great, big thoughts about God. And you're seeing God in all of his greatness. And to show your adoration and your reverence and your gratitude, you kneel and you declare that you are in the presence of greatness. You know, God's word says that because of what Christ did for us on the cross, that we can come boldly to the throne of God. You ever thought about that? That's an incredible privilege we've been given. We can come boldly to the throne of God. And so, guys, I encourage us to come boldly to the throne of God. But let me, let me challenge you. Make sure you don't come flippantly. It's still the throne room of God. And God is still God. And I think sometimes we treat that pretty flippantly. He's the master of the universe, and when we understand that, it should cause us to kneel in praise and adoration of our great, amazing God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God whose name is above all names. And when we kneel, we are demonstrating to him that, God, I get it. You're God. And we become enamored with him. We become overwhelmed with him. And we fall into a posture of praise and adoration. And that's what we need to be practicing and doing more, more and more of. So worship team, why don't you come up here right now? And we're gonna, they're going to play a song about the name of Jesus, the name of our king, who I just said is the king of kings. And when... I know we're Americans, but we should know this. When you're in the presence of a king, what do you do? You bow. You kneel. You, you take a posture of humility and adoration. And so while this song is playing, we're going to encourage you, if you would feel free, um, want to do this, in adoration, kneel before King Jesus. You can turn around and you can kneel, you know, on the chairs right in front of you or, you know, behind you, whatever. Turn around and do that. You can kneel in the aisles. You can come up here and kneel on the steps. You can come up here to the cross and kneel around the cross. The cross is an incredible symbol of God's love for us that His Son came and He paid the sacrifice for us. And so we can kneel kind of just thinking of what Jesus did. 
wherever you want to. You can even, you know, if you're kind of like me where you're scared if you kneel, you never get back up again. You can just kind of lean forward in your chair in, in a humble form of adoration. You can do that. The point is, is that it is a posture of adoration to our great king. Amen? Can we do that? All right. Once again, guys, I encourage you, do not worry about the person next to you. Do not worry about the person behind you. You just spend time praising your God and your king. Let's do that. Anybody need help getting up? You know, it's interesting. It's, we kind of joke about it, but it seems like it's a, it's a muscle we need to work. First and second service, I could hardly get up. And I'm like, man, this shows that I'm hardly ever on my knees. It's a, it's a posture that we rarely do. And so I think it's something that we should incorporate more in our times of praise. Okay, we have one last posture of praise we're going to be talking about. Um, and once again, I'm going to start reading this verse to you. Let me show you Psalms 50. It says, whoever offers praise glorifies me. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. You know, this is an important little statement here because it's saying, whoever does this brings glory to me. And so, you know, it really should encourage us to know what is this, this that it's talking about. What is this praise? What does it look like? Whoever offers praise glorifies me. Well, the praise in this, this verse right here is the word todah, okay? Whoever offers todah glorifies me. Now, what does todah mean? Todah is the lifting of the hand in agreement. It's the attitude of thanksgiving for what has been promised, okay? Now, this is kind of a, a tricky one. Uh, because Todah is the act of praising God for the things He has promised, and we may see the fruition of it, and yet we may not see the fruition of it. Okay? We still praise. We still Todah. Um, let me see if this makes sense. To Todah is to praise God for what He promises us, even though we might not see it in the natural realm. To todah is to praise God by faith. In other words, we know that in the unseen realm, our God is working and he's moving and he's extending his kingdom. He's doing what he said he would do, but it's unseen to us. We might not see it in the physical realm, and yet we todah our God because we know he is working and we're thankful for it. You see, here, here's an example. The Word of God tells us that He began a good work in us and He will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? That is an awesome truth that the Word of God tells us. Now, we might be sitting here and saying, God, I don't see how you're working. I don't know how you're doing this. I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand it. I don't know, you know, in what area you're working. But we sit here and we, we know that that's what he promises. So we todah him and we say, God, I praise you because I know you are working. You promised to. And I thank you that you're doing that. Does that make sense? This is a great form of praise for those of you who are suffering. To those of you who are sick and suffering and in pain, this is, this is great for you. You know, in your sickness, it's so easy to just get to thinking, like, what is going on? 
You know, you have no idea what God is doing, and yet he's called the great physician. He's called the great healer. He tells us to call upon him in your time of need. And you know what? When we todah, we are praising him and giving him glory in spite of the fact that we might not see any changes. And to glorify or to praise him in those times and to praise him in the storm brings great glory to him. Because you know what it does? It shows that you know he's real and he's working. Because it's just the opposite that tends to happen. When we go through times of suffering and pain and sickness and whatever, what do we tend to do? We take our eyes off of God and we're like, man, we, he must not be, he must not be working. And just the opposite is true. So to todah, todah him during that time is to say, God, I know that I may be in the midst of this, but I know you're real and I know you're working and I trust your promises. Those of you who are going through severe trials and hardships, the Word of God tells us not to worry because your Heavenly Father knows what you need. The Word of God tells us that, you know, the Heavenly Father knows when a sparrow falls to the ground and dies. When a sparrow dies anywhere on this earth, God knows about it. It says that our Father knows the number of hairs on our head. For some of us, it's easier to count than others. But it's just, he knows that number. He says, do not run around, you know, chasing after these things as the pagans do. Your heavenly Father knows that you need it before you even ask. That, to praise him in those times is to todah him. To trust his promises even though you might not see it. Here's a, here's a great verse of todah. Let me show it to you. It's in Habakkuk. It says, though the fig tree does not bud, and there is no grape on the vines, the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls. How many of us feel that, man, this is describing our life? Notice what it says in verse 18. It says, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. And I will be joyful in God, my Savior. That's Todah. Everything in the physical world may scream disaster, but when we Todah, we're telling God that we don't draw our conclusions from the physical world. We draw our conclusions from the Word of God because we know that His Word stands eternal in the heavens, and we believe that. We don't focus on what is seen. We focus on what is unseen, and we praise Him. We Todah Him. That's a beautiful form of praise that we need to make sure we're doing all the time. Amen? Now, notice that this definition for the word todah says the lifting of a hand in agreement. And I, I've been kind of thinking about this, pondering it this week, like what? I don't get the whole hand thing. What, what does it mean, raising a hand in agreement? Like, hey, God, I know that you're going to do this stuff. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking about it and kind of practicing this, this form of praise. And this came to my mind. Uh, maybe this will help you. Maybe it won't. But I'm going to share it. Um, but to me... The raising of hands kind of shows an expectation of something, and, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Uh, we lived in Waukesha uh, for several years, and we lived in an apartment building that was two stories, and we were up on the second story. And uh, the, the, where we parked the car was behind the apartment, and sometimes I'd run down to go head out somewhere, and I'd forget the keys. And so I would yell up in the, you know, the open window and be like, hey, Shauna, Shauna, 
She's like, yeah. I'm like, hey, I forgot the keys. Can you throw the keys down to me? And so she'd grab the keys and she'd come out onto the deck. And guess what posture I would be in? Ready to catch the keys. She hadn't thrown them yet, but I was in expectation for her to throw them. So I know that may seem silly, but when we praise God in this form, keep, kind of keep that in mind. God's word is true. His promises are true. And even though we don't see what he has promised yet in our life, we hold up our hands waiting for him to throw us the keys. So let's try that right now. Worship team coming up here. And guys, let's sing from our, the bottom of our hearts the words of this song. And if you're comfortable, just raise your hands in agreement to that. Saying, God, I'm waiting for you to throw me the keys. I know you will. I know you are a God who I read in the Bible. You, you open the Red Sea. You move mountains. You do all these things for your people. And so let's, let's praise him. Let's todah him in this posture of praise. And once again, there may be pauses from singing where it's just going to be the music playing. Let's just join that music and praise with God. Let's practice knowing that God is here, just soaking up that music, and let's, let's just you know, whisper words of praise to him during those times. And I'm not going to lie, there's a part of the song where you may want to shabak, you may want to shout out praise to God. And if you feel the Spirit leads you to do that, then don't worry about the person next to you, you just shout it out. But whatever we do, let's praise our God. Amen? So let's do that. Heavenly Father, we worship you this morning. We praise you. And each of us may be standing in our storms today. In the things that we're suffering through in life today. But God, we stand here together, joined arm in arm, refusing to let the physical world declare what is true. Because our focus is on you, God, our unseen God. And we focus on what is unseen, not what is seen. And we know that your word stands eternal in the heavens. It will not be thwarted. And so, God, we todah you today. We praise you. Even though in our lives we might not see your promises played out yet, we trust you because we know you're working. You have not abandoned us. You have not walked away from us. You have not given up on us. You will be with us till the end of this age. And God, we praise you for that. We thank you for that. You are such a good God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being patient with us. We keep making stupid mistakes. God, I pray that you continue to work in our hearts and transform us into the likeness of your son, Jesus, so that we might be bright lights in a very dark world. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, who makes all this possible. And everybody say together, amen. amen. Guys, love you so very, very much. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you next Sunday.